Well, you wouldn't know it by the temperatures, but uh, it's changing, right? This is the time of the year, right, when like swimming pools are closing up, when we probably ought to just keep them open uh, for another week or so. It's always a little sad to me, and not because so much that I love swimming, but I just know that when the swimming pools close, it means that, well, fall is on the way, winter will be here before you know it. But, but like many of you, I love swimming as a kid. We got any kids in the room that love swimming? All right, any people? Yeah, we got some people that love swimming. I, I love swimming as a kid. Now, I wasn't lucky enough to have a pool of my own, but I was thankful for friends who had pools. And uh, I can always remember those hot days during the summer when a friend would call and say, hey, we're having a pool party. Why don't you come over today? And there was one particular friend, his house. Uh, I, I remember he had one of those uh, above ground circular round pools, right? You've been in one of those before. Or you've certainly seen them. And, and, and what we would do, we'd play all these games. But if there were enough kids there at some point, like it never failed, we'd all move to the outer edge of the pool right? And then we'd all decide, okay, what direction are we going to move in, right? When we, we'd start this big whirlpool, all right? You, you know what I'm talking about. We'd all start moving in one direction as fast as we could, and it never failed. Like, if you stuck with it, like, if everybody just kind of did their part, and you kept going enough, it would get to the point where that current would push you along so quickly and easily that you didn't have to do any work anymore. But there would come a point where someone, whoever was kind of running point for the day, would say, okay, now everyone stop, and you'd stop and then you know the drill. The idea was turn around and try and start walking in the other direction, all right? And it was just always fascinating to me as a kid, the resistance of the water as it pushed up against you. Like if you canoe or if you kayak on the river or something, have you ever tried paddling upstream? Like if you have, you know it's noticeably different. If you cycle, if you like to get out on your bike, you know there's a distinct difference between cycling into the wind and cycling with the wind at your back. If you run, all right, running uphill is much more difficult than running downhill. There's way more resistance to the uphill. Today, I wanna talk to you about spiritual resistance. All right, I want to talk to you about the resistance that we face, because even if you don't cycle, even if you don't run uphill, like many of you know how difficult it's becoming to follow Jesus in the world that we're living today. And uh, if you've noticed this, maybe you've noticed it at work, uh, maybe you've noticed it uh, at the school that you're a part of, maybe where you live, maybe even in your own home, I see it. I sense this growing resistance, kind of pushback uh, in our world, certainly in our country, a resistance really against followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about the difference between how many say uh, happy holidays now versus Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, how spring break has morphed in, or excuse me, Easter break has morphed into spring break. Like that's not what I'm talking about. No, I'm, I mean, what I mean is that there's this, I would go as far as saying this growing opposition and re really even intolerance to anything associated with Christianity or the church. Like things have certainly changed. Now, when did the tide shift? Well, none of us can say for certain, but regardless of when it changed, you can certainly see it in our media. You can see it in entertainment. You can see it in the political scene today, certainly in our educational system, and just about any conversation that you might have with any given person on any given day. And please hear me when I say this. I don't think this is the result of a Biden presidency versus a Trump presidency. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that all of the frustrations that we see with people who have these frustrations against the church and Christianity is just simply the 
the direct result of evil in the world because the fact is that we as Christians, I'd say the church in general, certainly bears some responsibility for how the world sees and understands the church and certainly the message of Jesus today because unfortunately as Christians, we don't always do our best. And sometimes we get caught up in the commotion instead of responding to people with the kind of love and faith that Jesus Christ talked about. And we start acting in ways, honestly, that don't look like Jesus at all. And so, yes, there is a resistance. There is a pushback, a force at work in this world fighting directly against Christians, the church, and the good news of Jesus. And I hate to say it, but I got to believe that it's only going to get worse in the years to come. But as we're going to see today, Jesus would say, it shouldn't surprise you. Because as he shares with his disciples, I believe that he is sharing with us as well that this is coming, that there is a resistance, that there is certainly things like persecution happening around the world and potentially one day in a place like the United States of America. And so he called it out for his disciples, but he also has something to say for how they respond to it. And so open your Bibles to John chapter 15, all right, beginning in verse 18. We've been reading through John this year. If you make a commitment to go through the entire book of the Bible, you're going to run up against some things where you're forced to ask, do we want to talk about that or should we just skip over it and talk about something else? This is kind of one of those things today, not so much that we don't want to talk about it, but it's like, wow, didn't really see this one coming, but here it is. And so we're going to spend a few minutes with it today, again, as we've been studying through the New Testament book of John. John chapter 15, over the past few weeks, we've seen Jesus in the upper room, all right, sharing the Last Supper with his disciples. They shared this meal. Judas, all right, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, has left. He's in the process of arranging for Jesus' arrest. Jesus and his disciples, as Dan pointed out last week, are now likely on on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And along the way, Jesus talked about things like the promise of heaven. And he talked to them about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as Dan talked about, he helped them understand, as we saw at the beginning of John chapter 15, and I would say this to be true, that the most important thing that you can do, that we can do as followers of Jesus, is abide in Jesus. That that's the key. The most important thing that we can do as followers of Jesus is to abide in him, to stay connected each day. Now, Jesus is going to talk to them a little bit about what it means to keep on going, to keep on trusting, to be people who go out and change the world. And he reminds the disciples one more time to love one another. That's the big theme in John. You keep loving one another, but he's about to warn them about the persecution that they're going to encounter. And in doing so, I think he's warning you and I as well about the persecution we will face. He's answering the question, like, how do you love a world that hates you? How do you live for Jesus in a world that's going in the exact opposite direction that you are? Let's dig in beginning in verse 18. Jesus says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind something that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it'd love you. It's its own. You'd no issues. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Notice that Jesus uses the word if here, or at least it's translated as if. It could probably be better translated as because. Jesus is saying because the world opposes you. All right, Jesus says, keep in mind that it hated me first. Now, sometimes in the Bible, the word world uh, means or can be translated as earth. Sometimes uh, the word world means the, the people of the world. The world that Jesus speaks of here is a reference. Really, you could say one person points out uh, humanity organizing itself without God. 
that it's a uh, different philosophy. It's a different way of seeing things. We would call it a worldview today. That's what Jesus was noticing and seeing even in his day. It's certainly true today that it's a different philosophy, a different worldview about things like, just say it, life, a different worldview when it comes to biology, a different worldview when it comes to sexuality and marriage and, 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 and beliefs about things like God and purpose and sin. But Jesus came to this world to point people to something better. He came to offer something greater, all right? What was said of Jesus? Well, let's look at John chapter 3. We looked at this months ago, but John chapter 3, verse 16, you know these words. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, note the world, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son, all right, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And most of us know that verse, all right, or have some familiarity with it, but it's the next verse too, uh, verse 17, when we read that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent Jesus, all right, to save the world through him. So Jesus came to save, not to save the earth, all right, but to save people, all right, people without God, people without hope, like that's what Jesus came to do. And while many people have embraced the message of Jesus and received the gift of his salvation over the years, many rejected it then and many continue to reject it today. They reject him today. And because of it, some oppose Jesus and oppose him so aggressively that Jesus used the word hate. He said, they hated me. And so don't be surprised if they hate and oppose you. Now, what does Jesus mean by hate? Well, again, basically, don't be surprised when they oppose you. I think he'd say today, don't, don't be surprised when laws change. Don't be surprised when policies change, policies that are going to force you into a corner as a, as a believer, the policies that are going to force you uh, to make some tough decisions. And in extreme cases, like don't be surprised if your life will be put on the line, as certainly seen in other countries around the world. And so Jesus warns his disciples. Remember, he's talking to his disciples here. He's looking at these men that he spent so much time with. And he reminds them, but he reminds us today, when they oppose you, when you really start to feel the resistance, just remember they hated me too. And you belong to me. And the reason why you're feeling this resistance, I think Jesus would say, can actually be encouraging because when you come up against this resistance, it's just one more reminder that I'm real, that I am real. And if you've never faced or encountered this kind of resistance that I'm trying to describe here, well... The fact is that maybe you've become a little too comfortable with the world, too conformed to the world. I mean, the Apostle Paul warned us about this in Romans chapter 12 when he says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. And remember that you and I, were not here by accident. Like you and I are, are in this world for a reason. Like you, you and I are here to shine. We are helped to bring light into dark places. Like we're here to be like salt, to help bring flavor and life and wholeness to this broken world. Jesus says, I chose you. You belong to me. He continues verse 20. He says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will also or obey yours also. He says, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. 
He says, if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin as it is they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. See, Jesus' arrival on this earth initiated this major change in the way the world operates and the way we relate to God. We, we call it something around Genesis. We call it the good news of Jesus Christ. We call it the gospel. And the good news of Jesus Christ is just this, that this world is a broken place and it's broken because of my sin, and it's broken because of your sin, and sin impacts all of us, whether we choose to realize it or understand it or not. And because it's a broken world, here's what happens. All of us will go looking to fix this situation that we're in. We'll go looking uh, for a solution to these problems or so, right, that, that become so apparent in our lives. And we'll look for a solution in just about anything. We'll go looking for solutions in our relationships. We'll go looking for satisfaction and significance in things like money or what we can possibly achieve for ourselves. Uh, we'll We'll turn to things like drugs and alcohol to try and fill the void and uh, to help take away the pain. Like we go looking to all of these other things to do for us what only God was ever intended to do. But thankfully, as John 3, 16 says, God refused to just watch us waste away. And so for those reasons, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And Jesus lived life the way it was intended to be lived. And he died a death that you and I deserve. He did it on a cross to pay the price and punishment for sin. But he didn't stay dead. God raised him from the dead, amen, so that we can have life, so that we can live with hope, so that we can be redeemed. And so what God does now is he offers this invitation to you and me, to everyone in this world today, an invitation to trust Jesus, to trust him with your life and for forgiveness and for salvation. But he's not going to force anything like that on you. He leaves it up to us to decide for ourselves to respond to it. And over the years, many people have turned to Christ. Uh, people you know, family members, parents, you, many of you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, but at the same time, many have rejected it and they choose not to believe. And as the scriptures say, to those who believe him, he gave us the right to be called children of God, but to those who reject him, well, you're left to yourself to figure out how to make the pieces fit. How does life work? And unless something changes, a life eternally separated from God in hell. And so I just point all of that out to say what I think Jesus is saying a little bit, and that is that his life created this dividing line between those who have trusted Christ and those who will reject him to choose to go about doing life their own way. And so he talks about this dividing line here in John, and he talks about the hate and opposition in this world and how he experienced it, but certainly how we would experience it too. In verse 25, Jesus said, but this is to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. That's a reference back to the Old Testament that just reminds us. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, just keep this in mind. Whatever you experience, I experience too. Because people hated me when I was young, and they hated me when I was an adult, and they rejected me all the way to the cross, and the way they felt about me, you're going to go through that too. You're going to feel that too. And remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. 
All right, the cross is hours away. These next few days will be some of the most difficult days they've ever lived. And while they can't see the other side of the resurrection, Jesus can. And Jesus knows this story ends well. And he's got big plans for his disciples. And so he's not only preparing them for the next few days, but he's preparing them for the days, the months, and the years that are to come. Because are they going to go through persecution? You better believe the disciples are going to go through persecution. But help is on the way. Because as Jesus says in verse 27, he points out, he says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me and you must also testify for you have been with me from the beginning. The mission that Jesus had for his disciples is the same mission that Jesus has for us. And he wants to use you and me to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. Are we going to face resistance and potentially persecution? According to Jesus, yes. But Jesus also says, take heart because help just isn't on the way. Help is here. There is a helper, which means you don't have to do any of this alone. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And the disciples don't have the Holy Spirit yet. That's not till Acts chapter 2. But guess what? If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you already have the Holy Spirit inside of you. It just means that the very presence of Jesus is in your life. In fact, you're closer to Jesus right now than these disciples were in John chapter 15. And it just means if Jesus is the Lord of your life, his power is in you. It's a power that means that he is there for you when you're not sure what to say. Uh, he's a power that's there for you when something tough comes at, at work and you don't know how to respond. Like he is there for you. The Holy Spirit is when, when you face big decisions with your kids. Like the Holy Spirit is there for you when, when a teacher or a prof attempts to unravel everything you've ever believed about anything. Jesus says, don't be alarmed when you face trouble or resistance and don't give up or give in either because no, no matter how hard it gets, remember, it was hard for me too. And Jesus says, I will be with you. I'll go with you. I have everything you need. Jenny and my kids and I uh, made a trip to Illinois a couple of weeks ago to visit, visit my family. We made a little pit stop in, in Champaign, Illinois. All right, use the bathroom. Let's get something to eat. We're in this store. Before we leave, the clouds opened. I mean, just opened up the, the rain, the torrential rain. You know what I'm talking about, that hot, humid downpour it just is going like crazy and you can just see the street beginning to flood and we had been there long enough and it didn't look like it was going to stop and so dad's got to do what dad's got to do I got to go get the van right I mean that's just a responsibility that I have in that moment I got to go get the van and I got to get it as close to the front door as possible I didn't want to go outside. Like, I just really didn't feel like getting drenched, you know, at the moment. But I finally gave in and did what I had to do. We live in an interesting world right now. There, there are days where I just don't want to go out in it. Like, I don't want to deal with the commotion. And I dare say that persecution is a problem yet in the United States because we certainly have not experienced persecution like persecution is experienced in other parts of the world. But I do believe that there is this growing resistance and opposition and intolerance towards anything of Jesus. And that's where persecution begins. But as followers of Jesus, I'm also reminded that we're here for a reason. 
We are here on this earth and it is not by accident. And I'm not just trying to hold out or survive in this world. We are here on assignment. Like we have a responsibility as a church to help others find their way back to God. And so just real quickly, I want to give you a few things to think about today. And I don't know what the circumstances of your life are or how you see any of this right now. But here's a little bit of maybe what I would think Jesus might say to us today. And the first thing is this, no matter what it is in everything, you stay connected to Jesus. All right. Keep abiding in Jesus Christ. He is the vine. You and I are the branches. If you detach the branch from the vine, the branch dies. Stay connected to Jesus. Like staying connected to Jesus is the key to life and to fruit. Staying connected to him means doing life with him each and every day. And the best way to prepare yourself for life in this world, the best way uh, to prepare for the growing difficulties and resistance as Christians is to stay connected and abide in Jesus. And as Dan talked about a little bit last week, that just means reading your Bible each day and knowing the word of God. And not just so that you can check a box on your little Christian list, but this is God's truth for us. Like we are, we are called, Jesus told us, I want you to live this out. I want you to embrace these worlds, words and let them form your worldview so that you can teach your children who will also be able to teach their children one day. Uh, staying connected to Jesus means this ongoing daily conversation with God. It's learning to pray. It's realizing that before you talk to somebody about Jesus, it's better to talk to Jesus about that person first. That that, that, that you and I, we, we, we talk to God so that he's influencing us. If you've got a difficult conversation coming up that you're praying, that you're asking the Lord for wisdom and discernment and words, if you've got a difficult decision to make, you talk to God, but that you're inviting other people in your life who are also following Jesus to discern and to pray with you. And so that means you've got to be connected to your church family. All right, you got to find ways of getting connected. Like we are stronger together. We, are, we need one another. Like connection groups are really helpful in this because if you're just coming on Sundays, you're missing out on what it truly means to be a part of a church family. And so the only way we prepare for life in this world and what's to come is by staying connected. It's by remaining. It's abiding in Jesus each day. It's the most important thing we do. But here's a second thing that I want to point out that I think Jesus would say, and it's this, don't return evil with evil. All right, we, we don't play by the same rules. Meaning don't get caught up in the rage. Don't get caught up in the fighting. Don't get caught up in the vitriol because our battle is not against people. Our battle is not against people that reject the message or aren't here yet or haven't responded yet. It's not your neighbor. Uh, it's not your school's principal. Uh, your enemy is not someone in Congress. Our, our battle is against evil. It's against the evil one. It's Satan. And he's the one behind the resistance. Uh, he, he, is, he wages war in this world today. He's the source of confusion and fighting today. And he loves, I think he loves when God's people contribute to the chaos because he knows how my mind works and he knows how easily I can grow and grow to, to hate and despise someone who, who rejects or believes opposite of what I do. And that's why we can't forget Jesus' command. Love one another. I mean, even if you read these verses leading up to John 15, 18, he reminds them, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, does that mean that Christians should be silent, sit on the sidelines passively as things change? No. But we need to keep praying and asking, you know, Lord, what do you have to say about these things? 
Uh, what, what do you have for me? Like, what have you called me to? And to make sure that the cause doesn't become your primary motivator. No, make sure that your faith and Christ's work in you and the Holy Spirit's power in your life, like making sure that that's our reason for responding and the way to respond because Jesus is our model. And so all the time we just need to be asking, what would Jesus say in this moment? How would he respond through me? And, and here's the bad news. I, I don't know what that always means. Like, I'm not saying that it's crystal clear or easy in 2022 to know exactly what it means to respond as a follower of Jesus Christ, because there are some really complicated issues in our world, and Christians are going to continue to feel this resistance and struggle, and it means we're going to find ourselves in some precarious situations in the coming days. But that's why abiding in Jesus is so important, and that's why seeking wisdom from the Word of God matters, and that's why having friends in your life that can help you discern is so critical. But the bottom line is this. We don't return evil with evil. We are patient, and we pray about a response, and we remember that the fruit of the Spirit is things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I heard a pastor recently tell a story about Martin Luther King Jr. You might know the story. It was 1956. He was a Baptist preacher in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, his life and family had been threatened many times. And one evening, he was speaking at a rally not too far from his house when a young man came rushing in and announced that King's house had been bombed and was currently on fire. And like any good dad, King raced out of that rally because his wife and two-month-old daughter were in that house. And uh, when he got there, he found that his whole house was on fire, burning to the ground. The police were already there, as well as a really large crowd of angry, uh, an angry crowd of black citizens with baseball bats and weapons ready for revenge. And King checked on his wife and daughter to make sure they were okay. Thankfully, they were. But what he did next was so remarkable because he stood up in front of the crowd with his burning house in the background. And as I was reading this past week, he began to teach, preach, and what sermon do you preach when your house is on fire behind you? As everyone listened, waiting intently to hear what he would say next, King let out, and I quote, I want you to love your enemies, be good to them, love them, and let them know that you love them. Because what we are doing is right and just, and we know that God is with us. And so with love in our hearts and with faith and with God in front, we cannot lose. And then he led them in singing Amazing Grace. And I can't help but wonder, where does that kind of grace and strength come from? It comes from the vine. We are the branch. It's the vine who is our source of strength and leadership and guidance. It comes by staying connected to Jesus. So stay connected to Jesus. Don't return evil with evil. And finally, stand firm. You know, with Jesus Christ as the rock and the foundation, it, it means don't be, or be courageous. Don't, you know, in all things, don't be, don't, don't hesitate to share your faith your story, your hope of what Christ is doing in your life. Remember, as Jesus said, that the advocate, the Holy Spirit will, will testify. And one of the ways that he will testify is to help us to share and to testify. And so in all things, tell the truth about Jesus. Don't be afraid to share your hope, to talk about your faith, to give a reason for the hope that you have. And don't respond 
in anger, but with grace, trust the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do because it's not our job to change hearts. God is the only one who can change hearts. Our part is to be faithful and to let God be God. And so when it gets hard and complicated and you're not sure what to do, remember what Jesus said to his disciples because he knew what was coming for them. We're going to look at this quickly, but if you skip over to chapter 16, Jesus continues in this little dialogue in verse 2 by speaking to his disciples and say, hey, they're going to put you out of the synagogue, all right? So there'll be religious persecution. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me And then he continues, he says, I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. And so Jesus is speaking to them about this persecution that they're going to face. And over the next few days, the disciples, they scattered, they rejected Jesus, they hid. You could say they were falling apart, but then Jesus rose from the dead. And one by one, he put these disciples back together. And 40 days later, if you know the story, Jesus ascended into heaven. And 10 days after that, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Everything changed. Like these men that so quickly abandoned Jesus, when the heat turned up, are now ready to live boldly and courageously and faithfully in this world and all of them but one, John, died brutal deaths, were martyred for their faith. And why? Why were they able to do what they were able to do? What enabled them to live boldly and courageous for Jesus? These men had been with Jesus. And more importantly, they were abiding in Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit work in and through them. And let me show you what Jesus wanted the disciples to know and what he wants to say to you and me today. Because I skipped over verse one, but John chapter 16, verse one, Jesus says, all of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Basically, I'm giving you a heads up, not to frighten you, but so that you know, so you won't fall away. Keep abiding in Jesus. Stay connected to him to others and stand firm on the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, even when it's, well, even when they are, they're hard words, they're difficult words, they're challenging words. But we thank you that we have a savior, a model in Jesus Christ who gave his life so that we could have life. We thank you that our lives today, even this church, that you have a purpose and a plan, not only for our lives, but for Genesis Church and for the Big C Church all around the world. You, your good news is advancing and we want to do our part. And so we want to be faithful. And we want to respond the way that Jesus would respond. And I want to just take a moment because this room is full of people right now. I've got questions of my own, but like we might be in a situation right now where you're just asking Jesus, I don't know what to do next. Would you speak to somebody here today? And just remind us of how good abiding is. Give us faith to trust in you, to believe in you, to live faithfully for you in this world, no matter what it takes. We trust you. You are good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.